0: Welcome to the Faith Cub Podcast. We are glad you're here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you. It's good to be back with you all. We celebrate that we worship a God who turns graves into gardens. But we also recognize that the process of going from the grave to the garden isn't always one easy step, is it? Sometimes there are transitions that God leads us through in life where we have to wait on Him. We have to put our trust in Him in times when we don't know what's around the corner or where to place our next step, and we wonder maybe if God is even still there leading us to begin with. In this series, we've been talking about how in many ways, as a, as a faith community here at Faith Covenant Church and in our larger society, we continue to exist in a time of ongoing transition. And, and we've talked about how a time of transition is marked by the experience when you know that you've arrived at a point where you can't go back to the way things were, and yet you don't know yet what the future holds, and so you're, you're in this in-between time. Now, Everybody's going through change, right? We, we live in a world of change, and, and the, the pace of change is increasing. And what we're talking about in this series, though, is that when we start to talk about transition, it's something that we can discover in the Bible is actually a tool God uses to grow and develop His people and to help align them better and better to His purposes. What's the distinction between a change and a transition? Transition. Change is the ongoing progression of time that simply occurs in life, right? From month to month, from year to year, inside of us and outside of us, change is always happening. But transition is the periodic process that God uses to adapt us to those changes in ways that help align us with His work and His will in our lives. Throughout the Bible, we've said that we can see stories of how God uses times of transition to both guide and develop his people. We mentioned Abraham and Moses and Joshua. We could also remember the stories of Esther and Ruth, and we see this with Jesus' disciples as well. But we also recognize, even though it's a tool that God uses to bless us and to grow us and to develop us, It doesn't diminish the reality that times of transition are often confusing and difficult and even painful to go through. What we know is that transitions happen in the lives of every disciple of Jesus. In fact, based on the research of Dr. J. Robert Clinton out of Fuller Seminary, who studied the lives of over 5,000 Christian leaders— every Christ follower will experience somewhere between 12 to 18 transitions in their lifetime. Some of them will be smaller and easier transitions, while a few of them will be large, difficult, life-altering transitions. And I don't know about you, but maybe because of what we're going through in our society and because of the pandemic, the more and more people I talk to find themselves maybe in a season where each of us are in the midst of our own personal transition as well. Terry Walling, in his book called Stuck, that we're kind of using as a a primer for our series, navigating the transitions of life and leadership, he says, in the end, transitions are all about stewardship. Stewardship. God uses these difficult and challenging times to to grow and change our perspective on life and to remind us that his call to us as followers of Jesus is to begin to learn to invest our lives in the expansion of Christ's kingdom as an act of stewardship and as an act of physical and emotional and spiritual worship. And because of the challenges that accompany these times of transition, it's common for us to start to feel stuck and to wonder, gosh, are we ever going to get out the other side? Is God going to show up in a way that makes a difference and, and brings clarity and helps me to understand the reasons why he's asking me to go through all the things he's asking me to go through? But in the midst of our, our own pain and difficulty that often focuses our attention down into the circumstances of our own lives and the, the pain that we're experiencing in our own hearts, what we don't often realize that in times of transition, God is doing a deeper work within us than we might ever realize. In fact, what we learned in the first week, again, is that the breadth of your, intim- your influence for Jesus is directly proportional to the depth of your intimacy with Jesus. The Christian life is a life where God invites us to go deep in our relationship with him, and through his power and his strength and his wisdom, he allows us to go wide in our influence for others in the world through his love and his grace. That's where Anthony led us last week in week number two of our series. He did a phenomenal job helping us to see that the first goal that God has for us as we find ourselves in a season of transition and to be able to navigate it well is that he wants us to take a sovereign perspective on life. In order to navigate transitions and challenges in life, Anthony said that we need a better perspective, and thus a time of transition is actually an opportunity to recalibrate our view of God. And ultimately, when we go to God's Word and use His measuring tool to recalibrate our perspective on God and therefore our perspective on who God is in our lives, we discover it's not the magnitude of our problems that define us, but it's the magnitude of our God that helps us understand the meaning and nature of life. Amen? And so renewing a sovereign perspective on life means that we realize, as we sang today in Waymaker, God is always working in our lives. He's growing us and developing us, and even in times when we can't see Him and when we can't feel Him, God's activity in our lives means that God is actively pursuing in us and for us, the things that work for our good and for his glory. Sometimes just reaching out to help someone else begins to remind us that even when we feel down, God has given us the ability through his grace and his mercy and his love to participate in lifting others up. And when we step out to to love others in Jesus' name, even when we might not be feeling all that great ourselves, we discover a new strength and a greater wisdom that God has for us that only God provides and that we most desperately need to experience in our own lives. And so part of the challenge in transition is that God wants to expand our perspective on who he is and his call on our lives and in the process to, to understand who he is calling each one of us and our faith community together to be for his kingdom. And this is what we're going to see in one of the major transitions in the life of the Apostle Peter that we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks. Peter went through various transitions before he fully understood and embraced the changes that God was making in his life and understanding his call to ministry. And in Peter's story, God is getting ready to make a big change in the expansion of his kingdom that Peter could not have predicted, in fact, that no one fully understood. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you to pause with me and pray. As we go deeper into God's Word and we begin to dive into the story of Peter, let's invite the Holy Spirit to lead each one of our hearts to understand more fully God's leading in our lives. God, we know that transitions are hard, and it's often easy to get focused on our own problems and our circumstances and to forget how amazingly infinite and powerful and loving and grace-filled you are. So remind us today, God, that no matter the way the life seems to be taking us, you are always at work and that you are inviting us to renew our perspective on you and our life as our way maker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper, and the one who can see our graves turn to gardens. And we'll thank you and bless you in the ways you use us to be a blessing to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you know the story of Peter, right, the impetuous disciple who is always sticking his foot in his mouth and jumping in where he didn't belong. And when it finally, push finally comes to shove, he denies Jesus three times. And oh, gosh, he just keeps messing up. But then after Jesus' resurrection in that intimate moment on the beach, three times Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? he says, of course, Lord, you know I love you, then feed my sheep. And he does it three times, and most scholars think that he does it three times to to make up for the, the three times that he denied him, and to say, three times you denied me, and three times I forgive you, and my love is sufficient for you. I have a plan for your life, and I want to use you to bless others and to help build my kingdom. And up to this point, after Jesus had risen and gone up to heaven and the disciples and the apostles began to share this good news message with the world around them, it was only believing Jews who made up what was called the church, right? The ecclesia, the gathering, the people of the way. They weren't even called Christians at first. And the general expectation to become a a Christ follower, to become a person of the way, was also to commit to observe the Jewish law in addition to following Jesus. Because that's what they knew. That's what they were coming out of. That's how they, they knew to be a religious person. But change was coming gentiles would soon be welcomed into the fold without the need to follow all of those jewish religious rules and rituals but in order to prepare prepare the disciples to be able to understand what god was doing that this was part of god's expansion of his kingdom he had to do a work in them to help them prepare them so that they could be uh, ready to receive those people and to be a blessing to them and god could use them to expand the church and in order to do that, Peter and the other disciples would need to go through a season of transition. See, God knew that Peter in himself wasn't ready for this massive shift of understanding that the nature of the kingdom of Jesus had inaugurated a plan that went so far beyond what any of them could have expected or imagined. So God prepared a new relationship for Peter a relationship that would help him begin to understand what God's plan and God's role for Peter was going to be in this expanding kingdom. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 10. We begin in verse 1, and you remember the person perhaps named Cornelius. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Now they were they were not Jews, but they were they were seeking the monotheistic God of Israel. They, they had heard about this God and they were, they were God fearing. They wanted to know more about God. And so, so they were seeking where this God was in their lives. And Cornelius and all of his family are, are, are generously, giving generously to those in need, and they prayed to God regularly. And one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, we're going to stop there for today because I want to focus in on some dynamics that are happening in the story here. We have to understand, right, that Cornelius was a Roman soldier. He was a centurion in command of a hundred men. That's what a centurion means, and, and he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And yet he was the man, he was the person that God picked to help Peter through the transition that God was leading Peter into. He wasn't a religious teacher, he wasn't a philosopher, he wasn't an educated doctor or one of the other apostles. He was a a non-Christian soldier down the road that Peter didn't even know. And God was working in his life to prepare him to be the catalyst for Peter's life transition. I just want to make a couple takeaways from this intro to Peter's story. And as a part of that, I want to look more into the anatomy of a transition. What can we expect when we find ourselves in the middle of a transition? And then we can trace Peter's progression through that process, the life cycle of God's shaping work in all of our lives. The first takeaway comes from the realization that if you think about it, right, and we've read the whole section, these verses tell us Peter had no clue what was happening, <laughs> right? Whose story is this? It's not Cornelius' story, it's Peter's story. But Peter's story is happening somewhere with some people that he doesn't even know, Have you ever considered the possibility that your story is happening somewhere, someone else, with people that you don't even know, and God has a plan to connect you with those people in the right way at the right time, and that's going to reveal something new about God's call in your life? So The first takeaway is that we begin to understand that the entry into a transition often goes unrecognized. We don't really know when we've entered into that season. We don't know when we've gone into that time. Usually there's no clear starting point for entering a transition. Rather, one day you start to have this sense of something isn't right. Things aren't working out the way that I'm hoping they will. Something just is off in my life and in my spirit. The pain and the confusion that we're struggling with that just doesn't seem to go away and doesn't seem to resolve itself uh, is is frustrating, and and we begin to feel a lack of motivation and a decrease in energy, and we continue to to hang on, but the frustration that everything we try to make a change just never works out, and we feel stuck in this place. And often, as we described, relational conflict can begin to happen either at home or at work or at school within our spheres of influence, and and we begin to have increasing feelings of loneliness and isolation and distance from God, and we pray and we read the Bible, but it all just feels dry, and we wonder where God is. Have any of you ever felt that way? (laughs) I know I have. Feelings of self-doubt and a lack of effectiveness can begin to leave you feeling confused and questioning yourself and wondering, gosh, am I, am I in the place where God has led me? Did I, did I understand him correctly? When I, when I said yes to Jesus, I thought it was going to be all gardens and roses. <laughs> all these are possible indicators for us that we may have entered into a time of transition in our lives. Almost every transition has a similar life cycle, Terry Walling says in his book, and typically it progresses through four stages, and he gives us a diagram in his book, and I want to uh, look at that diagram together. It's one of the fun times I get to use my like, little laser pointer. Woo. I feel so professorial with, with my laser pointer, if I can get it to work properly. It's, is it flashing? I don't want it to flash. See? God's testing me. All right, so the four stages, you can see them on the screen. There's entry, evaluation, alignment, and direction. And then there's a couple unique features that that I want to walk us through. At at the end, there's always this faith challenge that God leads us to and that requires a, a greater trust from us to step into the new thing that God is revealing, the new thing that He's prepared us for. And if you follow the arrows on the diagram, you can begin to see, I think we have the next slide, that as we go into entry here, this arrow, which is often, as we're saying, marked by confusion and plateau and growth, feelings of isolation and such, the next arrow takes us into evaluation, right? When these things are happening, we begin to start to say, why am I here? What's going on? Where is God? And we start to evaluate. Is it a mistake that I made? Is it something that God is doing? And we start to look back on where we've come from, and God helps us to begin to evaluate the, the lessons and the path that He's led us on so we can begin to understand this new season of life. But then you see, as between evaluation and alignment, these arrows point both ways. Well, what's that about? Well, Walling suggests, and through Clinton's research, that between evaluation and alignment, there's often a rocking back and forth between the two. As God brings us back again and again to those core lessons that he wants us to learn, those places of faith and trust that he wants to build into us so that we can begin to move into greater and greater alignment with his plan for our lives. And that's why a time of transition can be a season of months or, or for many people, a big transition, it can even be several years. As God works within us to, to, to build these deeper life lessons about who we are and who he's created us to be as he works his healing process into the broken places in our lives, all of that is a part of bringing a greater alignment with his love and his grace and his will in our lives. And then eventually, that, that leads us into direction. At some point when God has prepared us, when we're ready, God opens the door for the new thing that he has been preparing us for. And so we begin to have inspiration and excitement. We begin to have an understanding of, okay, I'm beginning to understand how and why God let me experience all of these things because it has prepared me for this moment. But it's at that very moment that we will often experience the greatest challenge of the transition, which is the faith challenge. At that point, after all the work that God has done, are we really willing to trust in God and to step out into faith into the new thing that he's inviting us to do? At one point in my own growth, in my relationship with God, when I was uh, in seminary, I was really being challenged in my prayer life, and how to how to grow and understand a, a deeper sense of prayer and listening to the voice of God, and, and and all of those kind of wonderful kind of interior parts of spirituality. And I remember Fuller Seminary had this wonderful prayer garden where it was covered, and they had this uh, waterfall that was in there, and it had this the the verse you know, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. And and I would go into the prayer garden, and I would sit in in the quiet, and sometimes at night in the dark and i would pray and i would just feel so close to god and then one day god spoke not audibly right but just in that clear voice in your head where you know that it's god and there was a person in the in the prayer stall next to me who was quietly praying in the dark at night he said go tell that person that i've heard their prayer and it's going to be okay guess what i did i got scared I chickened out, and I got up and walked out. I, I, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I, this was, I didn't even know who this person was. So I'm just going to go interrupt them and say, oh, hey, by the way, you know, God, it just felt awkward and difficult, and rather than stepping into the new thing that God was wanting me to experience, to be able to be a blessing to this person I ran away in fear. And like Peter, I denied his invitation in my life and and I missed that opportunity. Now, I trust that God found somebody else to go and give his message because God is gracious to the, you know, as well. But but those are the moments where God gives us those glimpses into what he might have for us, but it's an opportunity to step out of our comfort zone and often it's to be a blessing to serve somebody else in his name that if we're not ready and we're not courageous and we don't trust him, we might shrink in fear and we might run away from the invitation that God has for us. Over time, as we learn to trust God with our lives through these seasons of transition, and we begin to submit to God's leading in our lives and participate in the healing work and the developmental work that he's wanting to do in us, coming into a greater alignment with his will, God begins to reveal the new direction that he's wanting to take us. Not everything is always completely clear at that point, but answers begin to clarify, opportunities begin to emerge, and a way forward begins to manifest itself. And then we reach this test of faith at the end, that requires us to put our trust in God. Now, faith challenges can include trusting in God's provision for answering prayer, as my experience was. It can be for needed financial resources or the ability to see a vision fulfilled. It can be for the opportunity for a a new job or a new career path, or it can be a new role in ministry. It can be for the healing of broken relationships or to receive a calling to go serve someone or to serve a group of people that God would put on your heart and would lead you to. And in this sense, the the end result of a time of transition and making it through the faith challenge is a greater preparation and a greater revelation and a greater open door opportunity for you and I to step into the calling of God on our lives that he shaped and designed and created us for as we read in Ephesians 2.10, before the creation of the world. We discover the deepest meaning and satisfaction and joy as we step into the call of the master on our lives and we hear those, those loving words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy and the happiness of your master. Over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through each of these stages in the life cycle of the transition through the lens of Peter's story. But for today, I'd like to focus on one more takeaway from this entry point into his story of transition. At this point, not only did Peter have no clue that he had entered into a transition, and that God was beginning to do a work within Peter's own heart But he had no idea that God was at work out there in the world, as I said, in the life of a non-Christian named Cornelius, whom he was preparing to use in Peter's life. As we begin to regain a sovereign perspective on our lives and we pull back from our own circumstances and, and often our own painful experiences, and we begin to trust God more with the future path of our lives, is it possible that God is already at work in someone else's life? Possibly someone who doesn't go to this church. Possibly someone who, God forbid, isn't even a Christian. (laughs) And he's preparing them. He's preparing their hearts. He's communicating to them in ways that we might not fully understand because he wants to use them to be a blessing in your life. to reveal to you how God is calling you further out of the, the experience that you've had so far and to show you more that he wants to bless you with, to, to, to show you more on how he wants to use you to be a blessing so that you can experience a greater sense of the master's joy and happiness in your own life. And in the process, God might want to use you to be a blessing to them. And in the process, he can use you to help advance the kingdom of God in this world. Which is the second, another way to say the second takeaway is, God uses other people whom he calls us to serve to help reveal his plans and purposes in our lives. God uses other people whom he calls us to serve to reveal his plans and purposes in our lives. Now, if you've been here at Faith Covenant Church for a while, you know that that our mission statement is that we pursue a real life together, connecting, growing, and serving. And if you've been like me and you've grown up in the the institutionalized American church, you get that connecting part, right? Oh, we're relational and we connect with God and worship and God calls us into relationship with one another. And we get that growing part, right? We got to read our Bible and we got to have our devotional time and we got to grow in our relationship with Christ and we got to grow as human beings. But then when we get to that serving part, I want to suggest for us, there's an unconscious flip that happens where it's really not now about my growth and development, but it's really now about me having to serve the church. right? So when you come to church and you become a part of the community, the next step is, well, gosh, you got to help us be a successful church. So we need you to volunteer and we need you to serve because it's all about growing our church and making our church bigger and seeing more people come to faith. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful uh, goal, right? But I think what we're seeing in the life of Peter and what we learn from how God uses transitions is that you're not going to fully grow and experience the full maturity and blessing of God's call and development in your own life until you understand that his call to serve other people is part of how he wants to bless you. And that might be here at Faith Covenant Church, or it might be out at Starbucks or in your workplace, or or he might call you to, to go somewhere around the world. So when we are called to connect and to grow and to serve, that's a part of our growth and discipleship to Jesus because God uses other people that he calls us to serve to help reveal his plans and his purposes for our life. So as we wrap up, who, who might God be preparing even now to bring into your path that you might not even know yet? That will be a part of God's revealing to you His next level plans and purposes for you and in your relationship with Him? And are you willing to begin to to prayerfully open yourself that, that there may be some new relationships that God has in store and that God might lead you to? Or what about for us as a church? Is it possible that there are particular people or even particular groups of people in our community or or in our state or or somewhere around the world that God might be preparing us to be influenced by and, and to go and serve in Jesus' name as a part of revealing his new call and his plan for our church in the season ahead? And if so, to what extent will our willingness to step out and serve someone else be a part of how God will lead us out of this time of transition in which we find ourselves? Because what we learn from the Bible and from Peter's life is that God uses transitions to prepare us to be used by God for His kingdom purposes in ways that we do not yet fully know or understand. But it's often our own fear and resistance that can short-circuit God's redemptive and developmental plan in our lives and prevent us from breaking out of the transition season that we're in and experiencing the new thing that God has for us. And men and women, I don't know about you, but I want some breakthrough. I want to get out of the place that I'm in. I don't want to be in the place that we've been as a church. I don't want to be in the place that we've been as a church in our society. I think God has something new. God has something greater. God is leading us to use us in a way that we can be a blessing in our community that we have no way of fully understanding. But if we shrink in fear and, and we hole up to, to try and protect ourselves and to protect our own, rather than opening ourselves to the possibility that stepping out in service to someone else might be the first step in discovering God's new call in our life, we might miss the opportunity that God is leading us toward. I'm going to end with a passage from Walling's book. He says, even though times of transition can be painful and challenging... The good news is that there is a way through transition. When you understand the nature of a transition, you can begin to understand where you are in the transition. Knowing where you are helps you to better understand where you're going as your next step. Determining where you, can give your, uh, determining where you are can give you navigational coordinates to help you begin to move forward into God's new future. Moving forward in transition, however, requires you to trust in God, to stay the course even when it doesn't feel like you're moving anywhere, because staying the course teaches you to trust in God more, and the more you discover that God can be trusted now, the more you will continue to trust Him in the future. Let's pray. God, we know that life is hard, and we find ourselves in difficult circumstances and a confusing time in our world and in our society, and many of us as individuals find ourselves in a time of personal transition as a result. And God, even if we're not in a time of personal transition, we don't have to look too far to know somebody who is. And so we ask, God, that you would use this message and this series to help us begin to think differently, to open ourselves to a more sovereign perspective and to become aware of the work that you're doing and the the place that you're leading us so that we can find that new direction that we're longing. But God, I also pray that when you reveal that new direction and you give us our marching orders, that you would give us the courage to respond in faith and to say yes to the call of Jesus in our lives and to rise up to that faith challenge moment that will lead us into the joy and the happiness of our master. God, give us that joy even now as a taste of the destiny that you have waiting for us, to inspire us and to motivate us to stay the course, to put our trust in you, and to find in you everything that we will ever need. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the faith cove podcast our music was written performed and produced by adam johnson for more information about our church community visit faithcovesumner.com until next time